greatly blessed me. I thank you that you allow me to preach God's Word, and I thank you that you allow me that I get to learn and I also get to learn while I'm preaching, and I learned much last week. So we are in the midst of uh, Parents and Children's Day. This is the second week of it, and next week I think we will wrap it up. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so today we're looking at the duties of parents. Last week we looked at the duties of children. And those duties were to obey, to honor, and when you do that, expect to be blessed of God with, with a good and a long life. So, does God have a design? When He created it, did He create it and just leave it to operate on its own? No, He created it. He, he did all that He did. and He gave us an instruction book to, how, to handle His creation. And, and there's not one thing that's going to happen in your life this Bible does not address. It addresses it all. It is sufficient. You never have to look anywhere else. You especially don't have to look to philosophy and vain deceit and imaginations. You have a trustworthy place to look, and that would be God's Word. So what does that design that He has for us, what does it look like? What's it look like for mothers and dads and for children? And, and for children, it's pretty easy. And so uh, this, this week, I, I preached the same message that I preached to you guys either six or seven times in an abbreviated form in two jails last Monday. So uh, uh, I get to preach it to men that know this. Are y'all listening? If they had been taught as children by their parents to be obedient and to honor authority, they know they probably would not be in jail. I'm, I'm telling you, I, and I, I probably will yet, I have a solution to our jail and prison overcrowding. Parents, raise your children to be obedient and to honor you to respect authority. I, I believe in 20 years we would be wondering what we're going to do with all those empty prisons. And I will find somebody to share this with. And they'll probably write me off as a kook when I get through. But I believe it to be the truth. We must teach more on God's design. I, I want you all to think about this for next year. I told we had 57 at the, uh, the girls' celebration ceremony last night, and it was good. And, and I told them, what parent would not take their girls, their daughters, and send them off 
with seven godly women for a week? Or what parent would not send their boys off with six or seven godly men for a week when they have the opportunity? And it doesn't cost anything. And I want to tell you, it's important that you send them the first year they can go because the older they get, the smarter they get, and they think they don't need to go back. And that's where parenting really comes in. You explain to them, it doesn't matter if they feel like going. It doesn't matter to, to, to anybody whether uh, they want to go. They just need to understand right up front, you're going. I'll save that comment maybe for next week that came to my mind. So how do we get there? How do we get to that place where mamas and daddies raise their kids to obey the Lord, to honor them, to obey them, and to expect a greater reward? Let me tell you right up front, a man and a woman gets married and then they have children. That's a great place to start. Give that kid a chance by giving them both a mama and a daddy. I'll show you next week. Uh, that video clip, uh, Jimmy, I, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, you, you would know. It's not going to come to me. Uh, he's 83 years old and he's a civil rights activist. I'll show you the clip next week. Here's what he said. I'll, I'll tell you this. He said that in 1937, in his poor, all-black community, 98% of the homes had a man and a woman married living in it. It's not that way today. And there's a great, great cost for not doing it God's way. And we're reaping the harvest thereof. I'll show you the clip. It is a wonderful clip. You'll know the guy. Oh, he's wearing a bow tie. He is such a stately. Hey, so he said, there wasn't any shootings every weekend. It wasn't Thomas, though. That's uh, in that time frame, but it's not him. I, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have brought it up without giving you a name, but I'll give you next week. So he said, there wasn't any baby shot in the crib. There wasn't any violence in the neighborhoods. He, you know what he said? Parents didn't go to bed at night worrying about their grandchildren stealing from them. There is a price for not doing it God's way. Now look, let me just give you a little preface here. If you didn't do it the right way, forgive your, admit it to God, forgive yourself, and get over it. And look, you're, you're thinking, you're thinking, preacher, my kids are grown. You need to know what I'm preaching. You need to know this book back, backwards and forwards. You need to be able to show your kids, your grandkids. I've got a great-grandson. I'm fixed when I get great-grandson. When I get back from camp, I'm sitting down with his mama and daddy and sharing this book with them. Get over it, forgive yourself, and begin to teach how it's supposed to be done. 
That's all we can do. We just got to start where we're at. We've all got a past, amen? Get over it. Forgive yourself. And I thought of a little ditty. I don't know who taught it to me, but it said, even though you cannot go back and make a brand new start, my friend, anybody can start right now and allow God to make a brand new end. And that's what we're looking for. We must empower individuals to be what God intended them to be. And let me just tell you right up front, we're going to teach the little boys this week, God intended to you to be a strong, godly young man. And he didn't make any mistakes. There's a, uh, a two-hour and a half uh, video that Tucker Carlson did with a guy by the name of Andrew Tate. He went to Romania where this guy's under house arrest, and he, he did a two-and-a-half-hour inter, two interview. Uh, my oldest grandson said it. He said it's, it, it's one of the best interviews. He said, I watched the whole thing. It's great. Andrew Tate and his brother were world-famous kickboxers, and they got into promoting godly manhood. Now, you want to know how dangerous this is? They have been accused and charged with tricks, with sex trafficking and they are under house arrest in Romania and there's not one woman that has come forward to testify against them. Not one. Listen, there is nothing any more dangerous to the left than godly, strong men. They'll do anything to silence them. But, listen... I'm not telling you to watch the two-and-a-half-hour interview. Do it if you want to. But I'm telling you to watch the first five minutes, and it will let you know, and, and like the interviewer said, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It doesn't keep it from being the truth. They may not be physically castrated nor chemically castrated, but there is an intention to castrate and take manhood away from all young men. They are after your young men to make them something less than what God intended them to be. That's why they have parents. They have parents to open their eyes and protect those boys from what's going on. And I would corroborate it absolutely, 100%. I have five grandsons. I'm a pastor in which there are young men in the church. It's my place to challenge you to protect them and watch out for them. There's nothing... Hey, listen. Christ, Paul, Peter were godly men, strong and courageous, willing to go to the, to the stakes, willing to go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. That's kind of men that we need in the church, that we need in America. The father's primary purpose in life is to go to heaven and take his kids with him. Listen to me, men. Did you hear your primary purpose? This is, this is worth becoming a man for. Your primary purpose is to go to heaven and take your wife and your kids with you. There's no higher calling. It's the only eternal calling. 
And a mother's primary purpose is to help her husband become the man of God God wants him to be, to birth and raise the children, and to help the children raise the children, to help the husband raise the children to go to heaven. If you want to find, if you want to think I'm crazy, just go Google William Goog. G O U G E. 1600s guy. See what he says about manhood. Y'all will think I'm milk toast. He said, he said, I never got ran out of the church, but I sure noticed a whole lot of murmuring when I was preaching. So, listen to me. I, 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 these are three little things. You've got them in your notes. I want you to memorize them, okay? Living every day for God's glory. This is a man and a woman's purpose. Living in expectation of heaven. And living to take my wife and my kids with me to heaven. That is a high calling. Only a godly man can have that calling. That is a worthy calling. Malachi 2.15, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? You marry a godly man, you marry a godly woman, you come together spiritually, and you come together in a oneness union. And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Okay, I'm going to say, how many children? Four to 18. Y'all awake? Back on the back wall, are you awake back there? Okay, last week I gave you some, I gave you three things. The first thing that the, the child is to do is to what? Obey your parents. Some people are listening, okay? The second thing is to do what? Honor your parents, honor authority. And if you do those things, you can expect a what? Reward. It's in your notes. A good life, a long life. And, and let me tell you the flip side of this. I hate to be a little negative. Y'all look at me. If you don't learn how to honor them and you don't learn how to obey them, you will probably have a troubled life. Today, the duties of parents. And today, we're just looking at what says the Scripture. Is that a good place to start? Just what says the Scripture. Next week, I'm going to give you three specific duties of parents. Y'all want them ahead of time? Next week, you've got to discipline your children. If you don't discipline your children, you can't do number two. You cannot instruct your children. And if you don't do number one, discipline them, and two, instruct them, you won't be able to disciple them when they get old enough to be discipled. Look, don't zone out on me. Don't kick yourself in the rear and keep kicking yourself in the rear. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Forgive yourself and just learn and say, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm talking about Jan and Diana. I'm talking about Brother Bob and Linda. They ought to know this so if anybody comes around them, they ought to teach them everything they can when they come around it's that serious. They've got to know what grandkids and great-grandkids are trying to do. 
and what that looks like. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what are fathers and mothers to do? Well, we know what to do. Listen, when in doubt, y'all ready? When in doubt, look it in the Word. Just when, when you got any questions about what to do, just get the Bible. And let me just tell you, another good book is our little uh, confessional, our 1689 Confession. There's 32 chapters in there, and 32 chapters with about, uh, well, 30 into 130 is about six paragraphs in each chapter explains, practically speaking, what you find in here. These kind of things are in that. That little book will help you. So, return to the ancient ways. Russ, this is, this, if it's not Russ's favorite scripture, it's one of them. Look at Jeremiah 6, 16. You've got it there. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Listen, parents, you know what? You know what your kids really need to see? They need to see that you are interested in the ancient past. Oh, what a great legacy to pass on. I remember my grandma praying. I remember my mama reading the Bible and praying for me. I'll give you some quotes next week about, I'm talking about godly, historically godly men that they said that they could remember their mamas pray. Bob Williams ought to be here this morning. Bob's the only one I've ever had pray over me and, and I could feel the tears running off his face and down on my back and head as he prayed for me. This kid said, I can remember when I was a heathen and my mama praying and crying and tears dropping off of me Mama praying that I wouldn't die a heathen and go to hell. Kids don't forget that kind of stuff. And I can tell you, if they're not saved, if they're not born again, they're going to die as heathens. And we know only God can save. We need to be praying for them, people. Right, I forgot to tell you kids this. Y'all listening? Four, four to eighteen. Bring your Bible, sit, in church, sit up in church, follow along, and if you really want to please the pastor, take notes. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient past. Where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we'll not walk in it. The last few years, we've been talking about family worship. You know what that means? Studying singing, praying in the house with your kids. Time to ramp it up. Time to get serious about it. Now, why would, why would older couples and, and why would, would people already, their kids are already gone because they want to be a part of what everybody else is doing. And it's difficult. I, I, look, at, I look at Deanna and I look at Jan and I, I think about Miss Doris and Miss Eric. There's nobody there. So they're getting together as a group once a month and doing it. But listen, let me just challenge you. I pray. Now, listen, just, just, just do it as a single. Time or two a week, sing. And when you're praying and having to do it by yourself, pray for these other couples that have kids that need to be doing it.
We need to be teaching moms and dads about evangelizing and discipling their children. Now, let me tell you, there's only one way that father and mothers can find their real significance. Doing what the Bible says to do. And just look at Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but mamas and daddy, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That doesn't, that doesn't say take them to church and let the church bring them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. You're to do it. Something amazing happens when dad takes up what God's called, created, and equipped him to do. Something special happens. When mom comes alongside, raising up the family to know and serve the Lord. When, when a couple tries to do marriage the way God designed it to be done, the husband leading and loving and the wife submitting and helping, something special happens. So we're going to pray that through Mother's Day message, the Father's Day message, a message to our young people and two messages to parents that God might call us to repentance and a change of course. In all that we do, preaching Jesus and Him crucified and striving to take as many as we can to heaven, praying that God might bring about Malachi 4.6 and He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree or utter destruction. Wouldn't you think that might be what's happening in America? That because fathers' hearts have not been turned towards their children, therefore children's hearts have not been turned towards their father and their mother. And look at what's happening in America. The destruction of the family and young people in trouble. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers... Mothers, mostly fathers, look at me, listen carefully. Do not provoke anger by unreasonable severity or unrighteous commands. Be careful what you ask of your children. Do not be unreasonable. Do not ask them to do things that are not right. Hebrews 12, 6 through 8. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline in which you have participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Parents. Children, know that you love them when you pray for them and when you discipline them. They know that. It's in their nature. If they love me, they would correct me. They would discipline me. They know that. Nurture them. Guide them. Correct them. Help them make the right decisions. Listen, mama and daddies. God gave you to your children to make the difficult decisions that they yet are not capable of making correctly. 
Now, there will come to a time that you'll just have to look at your kid and say, you're going to have to make up your own mind about that. But most of them aren't there yet. Discipline and admonition. Listen to this word. To drive out. There are probably some things in all of your children that you have observed uh, a lack of morality, a lack of honesty, a lack of integrity, or a rebellious spirit. Are you with me? It's your place to identify that and drive it out of them. Just like you would, by the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God, drive out sin in your own life. Don't say it's just part of being a kid. Identify it and help them overcome it. They'll love you for it. So where do all this, what, is, what about all this knowing? Oh, yeah, in, in all that we do, use your knowledge and acquaintance of the Scripture in your doings. Don't be ashamed to talk about the Bible. Don't be ashamed to bring up what the Scripture says about what you're talking about with them. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not provoke your children. Does that sound familiar? It's a companion verse of Ephesians 6.4. Lest they become discouraged. We don't want to discourage them. We don't want to whip them down. We want to do it that we not provoke them. Now listen to these couple of thoughts. Do all that you do out of a heart of love for your kids and for your family. Let them know that you're doing it because you love them. Oh, next week I can't wait to share with you about the, the things you ought to say to your children after you have to use the rod on them. I'm talking about it is from, it's in here. It's some phenomenal stuff about after you apply corporal punishment, what you should follow that up with. Use the right amount of pressure. Use the right amount of correction. Use the right amount of punishment. Listen, always being real, practical, and willing to own your own mistakes. Look, when they square up, ask you, Daddy or Mama, did you do it the right way? Just fess up. Tell them, you'd known better, you'd have done better. Or you're sorry you didn't do better. Be practical. Be honest. Hebrews 12.10, for they disciplined us for a short time. Now, you've only got them 18 years at the most. And I'll, I would say... You've only got them about 11 or 12 years while they're teachable, okay? You're just, you're just talking about a very small window in which to get this done. Are you with me? For they discipline us for a short time as seemed best to them, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. You should always tell them, really, that, did you know they already know the easy thing to do as parents is to ignore what your kids are doing. That's not what they need. 
That's not what you want them to that's what That's not what they want you to do. They want you to help them. Genesis 18, 19. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. It is, it is the father's responsibility to raise the children to know the Lord, to do the spiritual work in the home. In order to do that, he must be spiritual himself. By the way, young people need to be taught this. Uh, you, we, and we did have 40 people in, 40 adults in, in Bible study Wednesday night. And, and if you didn't know it, if you weren't here, you don't know it. Uh, Paul Cardenas taught the adult class for the first time. And he did a bang-up job. You would have been so proud of him. But we, we've got to teach these young people to teach and, and give them opportunities to teach. But what I'm telling you here, listen, men, if you're going to raise your kids spiritually, you're going to have to be a man of the Word. And it starts, I, I, give, I give credit to Amy and I give credit to Pablo for the job that Paul did because that kid has been trained in the house how to handle God's Word. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's where a man approves and, and, and qualifies himself to teach in the church. is in the home. Listen to me, moms. And this book covers it. It covers it so well. Listen to me. You got the note. But if the father is not that spiritual person or will not do that godly work, the woman must do it. But it tells you how to do it. You, 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 know, you know, I'll tell you kind of what it says. You've got to sneak around and do it. Because with them there at the house and you calling the family together to do it would be to disrespect them. I mean, everyone, everything's got a purpose in a way, right? You've got to figure out what that might be. All right, now look at the uh, King James Version of Genesis 18, 19. So God says, for I know him. I know, I know Adam. I know Abraham. I know Bruce. I know Dwayne. I know Caesar. I know these guys. I know them. They're mine. And I have commanded them that he will command his children and his household after him and that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he's spoken of him. God knows us, and He knows us that He will equip us to do what He has called us to do. Listen carefully. We do this for good. We do this to have a positive effect on His family and upon His household. To teach the way of the Lord. Teaching them to know God in His righteousness and holiness to always do good, to do right, to be just towards God and men. You've got plenty to teach. Jeremiah 1.5 Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Listen, men. This is a mighty powerful word. 
I was on the program a couple, well, I wasn't on the program. I, was, I wasn't on the program with, but I was on the program, but I didn't participate on the program with someone who calls himself a prophet. I'm not a prophet. But men are somewhat to be a prophet where? In their house. Thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord would have you doing. It is a high calling. It is a calling that many men will run from. A prophet for the family, a spiritual leader of your wife, your children, your household. Listen, men, if you hadn't been, go home, fess up, and start today to do better. Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children, talking about the commands of the Lord, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Listen, men... Moms, teaching spiritual things, you must be diligent and you must be systematic. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan to do it regularly. Just as you should have a plan to be in Sunday worship and weekly Bible study, you make that a priority, so do you make the teaching of God's design in the home a regular systematic priority. Wedding. I meant to bring a whetstone. I, uh, I knew where mine was, but I didn't go, go to get it. Other than Brother Bob, does anybody know what a whetstone is? Okay. A whetstone is the thing you sharpen a knife on. Did you ever know an old man that every time you saw him, he was sharpening his knife? That used to be what old men did before cell phones. And it was much better, it was much more useful than cell phones. Okay, so an old man always carried his whetstone in his pocket and his pocket knife, and when he was waiting or didn't have something else to do, he had his knife out sharpening it. That's what you've got to do with your kids. You've always got to look for an opportunity to teach them. When you ain't got nothing else to do at the house, you need to be teaching them. Systematically and regularly, Teaching the things of the Lord. Always looking, listen to me, looking for a nugget of gold. Let me tell you what, you, you know what they're getting on, uh, you know what they're getting on their phone? Fool's gold. They need a nugget of gold from you. They need a truth out of God's Word. They need a truth out of you teaching them something really serious and and beneficial about what you've learned in life. They need a nugget from you. They're begging for a nugget from you. But you've got to show yourself studied and approved, and you always got to be thinking about another opportunity to teach. you got to find it in God's Word. So what are we going to be about doing? Y'all have got your notes there. I could ask you to read aloud with me, but I won't. Living every day for God's glory. Living in expectation of heaven. And living to take my wife and my kids to heaven with me. You know, that's the only thing that's going to endure for eternity. 
Everything else you do, you're going to leave behind. Psalm 78, 4. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. Don't hide what God has done from your children and His might and the wonders that He's done. Read about it. Expound upon it. Brag on the Lord. Talk about what He's done. Talk about what He's going to do. Sharing, impressing upon them the greatness and the goodness of God. They need to hear from you that God is good, that God is great. It is every generational task. If we don't do it to our generation, ours don't do it to their generation, our grandkids don't do it to their generation, it's lost. Proverbs 19, 8. Discipline your, discipline your son for there is hope do not set your heart on putting him to death it's a serious thing while they are young do you hear me the first time they, they tell you no okay that's a good time to teach them that they don't tell you no the first time they slap your hand or put their hand on you, it's a good time to teach them they don't do that kind of stuff. The first time they throw a fit and you just ignore them and walk away and they follow you and throw a fit again, it's, it's time to teach them that you don't, you never have the right to throw a fit. Do, do adults have the right to throw a fit? No, but look at kids in Walmart. What do they do? They throw a fit in the buggy. You know what they ought to hear? When we get out of here, I'm going to tear your hiney up. And then do it. By the time you get home, you won't be mad anyway, so you do it the right way, right? While they're teachable, before they become rebellious, do not faint. Do not miss the opportunity. I tell you what the guy said. He's 50 years old. His wife is a, his wife. His daughter's a child psychologist. You remember I told you all the story about this kid through the fit. They, she went, she, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Are you okay? What can I do to help you? And so she went in the house and she came back out in a minute. And this 50-year-old guy that has less than a high school in education told his college education psychologist type daughter, you really missed an opportunity to teach that boy something. Don't miss an opportunity. Do not faint. Listen, those kids will be gone in a moment. That one and the one in the womb and the others coming along, we'll be walking down the aisle one of these days, gone. Don't miss the opportunity. Remember, for God commanded honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. It's a serious thing not to be obedient and honorable towards your parents. Listen, parents, it is cruel not to discipline, train, and disciple your children to know the Lord. It's cruel. You're setting them up for trouble. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. 
Uh, is that plain enough for all of you to understand? Well, don't let no government, nor DHS, or school counselor, or teacher to tell you to do it some other way. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. I love this one. This, this reminds me of David Miller. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. You remember David Miller said that his mama always knew that there was connection between his mind and his hiney. Y'all know that? There's connection between your hiney and your mind. And his mama was uneducated, lived years ago, but she's smart enough to know that. It still works today. God hadn't changed his design. The training and dis- discipline, listen, it could be difficult, but it might work in driving it away. I'm talking about folly. Strong, listen, strong will, rebellious, smart mouth kids need to be taught as early as possible. That's not proper. That's not the way you can act in society and do well. That's not the way you can act in my home and be undisciplined. It's not the way that you can act and think you can have a good life. Don't you understand? Kids have got to be taught that. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof gives wisdom. But a child left himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29, 21, whoever pampers his servant from childhood will end, will in the end find him as, as his heir. I really like this modern translation of Proverbs 29, 21. If you pamper your servant as a youth, if you pamper your child as a youth, a young person, you will bring grief in the end. Don't spoil your child. It will hinder them in their life. It will hinder them in their serving the Lord. Don't spoil your child. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train them in the way you want them to go. I would suggest an arrow path. Train them in the way of the Lord. Train them that they would know what your number one priorities are. Let them know that your number one priority is to live for God's glory, to take your wife and kids with you to heaven. Okay? Let them know that. And let them know that you expect to go to heaven and you want them to go to heaven. Look, what greater thing to do than to talk to your kids about heaven and hell and life and death. They've heard it from me a bunch of times. But if they ever hear it from you, guess what? It's going to click. Talk to them about death. Talk to them about life. Talk to them about heaven. Talk to them about hell. Tell them what you believe. Show them in the Scripture what the Scripture says. Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. 
He will give delight to your heart. You know what I see often? You don't raise a kid right, you'll be raising them till you die. Jeremiah 6, 16, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Ephesians 6, 3, Why would we do this? That it may go well with your children, and that they may live long in the land. So I have seven have no regrets for you. They're right there in your notes. Do all that we do out of love, not desiring to crush or destroy our kids. Number two, fathers are commanded by God to train His children and His household in the ways of the Lord their their God for their good. You're doing it for, listen, remember, listen, I I want to get you to say this with me. For their good. For their good. It will be good for them. The training is to be intentional, diligent, and systematic. Every generation must be trained. Discipline them while they're young. I can tell you, I'll quote Vody Bachman quite a bit next week. But he said when he learned all this stuff, he had a 10-year-old. And he had to go back and train the 10-year-old disciplined. They were undisciplined as a 10-year-old. He realized you couldn't instruct them unless they were disciplined. I want to tell you, it's a whole lot easier to discipline a 2- and 3-year-old than a 10-year-old or a 13-year-old. But if you've got that 13-year-old and they haven't been disciplined yet, you've got some work to do. And only you can do it. I'm not, I'm not mandated by God to do it. Neither is the teacher. Are y'all listening? Neither is the police, nor the judge. Now, if you won't help with that, I'll throw in and help you. But I'm not going to do it. But down the road somewhere, as a 30-year-old, that 15-year-old now might thank you. If you want your children to walk on a particular path, listen carefully, fathers in particular. If you want your children to walk on a particular path, you must walk that path yourself and instruct them how to find that path. And if there is a path you don't want them to walk on, you best not be walking on it. And number seven, wow, what a promise. That they may bring you joy and not grief. Now look, next week we're going to look at, again, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're going to look at three, a three-step process that must be worked through. Now let me tell you, whether this message has wore you out that you've been a rebellious child, or it's wore you out because you didn't do it right, listen, Confess it to God, ask God for forgiveness, forgive yourself, and decide the best you know how you're going to do, do it differently from here forward. Remember, it doesn't matter if you're a kid from last week, 
a parent that's still trying to do it, a parent that yours is gone, a great parent that yours are two times gone, listen, even though you cannot make a brand new start, my friend, you can start today, and with God's help and God's grace, you can have a brand new end. May God bless you.